This podcast is brought to you by Viking Capital, your best friend in swimming pool financing for over 20 years. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Today, I'm with one of the leading experts in waterproof bond coatings for the swimming pool industry, Vito Mariano, president of the Bay Street. Thanks so much for joining us today, Vito. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Hey, Vito, you know, today I brought you on the show because of the, uh, the recent tragedy that uh, transpired down at Surfside at the Champlain Towers. You know, there's facts coming out and uh, rumors are flying around that uh, failed waterproofing may have actually been a contributing cause to the collapse of the structure. And I wanted to bring you on the show today, uh, not so much to, uh, to talk about, hey, was this the direct cause of it? But from an expert standpoint on waterproofing, I mean, you see this kind of stuff every day, day in, day out. Based on what you've seen so far presented in the media, do you think it's a fair assumption you know, that waterproofing may have played in a role in this? Yeah, first of all, um, you know, it's a real shame. Um, I've got uh, people that I know working on site uh, overlooking some disastrous, uh, well, we all know what we're looking at, and, and it's a real shame. Uh, concrete has to be protected from moisture or water, regardless of whether it comes from thermal or just simple rain on the project. Concrete is a sponge for water. It has to be protected, especially if it has steel in it. Uh, this is a perfect situation where water got to the steel, it expanded, and you know once it, the metal and the steel starts to break down, you're going to start getting some deviation in the strength, uh, which had a lot to do with whatever movement was causing it to. It's a domino effect. Once it starts, concrete's very heavy, it's just going to implode. That's basically what occurred here. Based from what I'm reading, what's come out in the media, in the New York Times, and in uh, credible sources like the Wall Street Journal, they read the same reports that you and I have read, which was Frank Morabito's structural analysis of the building. All right. Uh, Back in 2018, he defined a whole laundry list of major old structural repairs. They conduct these surveys every 40 years down in Florida because of an incident that occurred back in 78. The DEA building actually collapsed. And uh, they actually put uh, regulations in place because they wanted to keep things like this from reoccurring again. The evidence that's coming out says that there was major repairs that needed to be conducted on the concrete slab below the pool deck, abundant cracking and crumbling of the column beams and walls of the parking garage. I mean, based from what you've seen from those photos, do you think that it may have been a contributing factor? Uh, 100%. uh, Yes. Um, you know, you have a vessel uh, that is suspended and leaking water. It has to be contained um, at pretty well any expense, especially if, it, uh, if there's a living space underneath it. Now, these pools and these buildings move an awful lot. Um, the water has to be contained. And I've been an advocate for waterproofing every vessel. Not for the fact that I'm in the business. It's just, it has to be contained. Water is damaged to structures, damaged to wood damage the tiles, concrete, steel, if it's a reinforced building, which is what uh, we're looking at here, the steel has to be maintained where it doesn't get attacked by water. Water causes damage to the steel, and then we all know what happens from there. And I do see this type of thing all the time. I'm shocked uh, walking to a lot of buildings where, and I, I could say I do it all day, every day. It's, I look at buildings and I get the worst swimming pool vessels in the country thrown at me. To try to repair, come up with a solution, which we do. We've always come up with a solution to the point where some of them have to be completely demolished and, and started, uh, started from scratch. 
do you see this quite often where like there's pools that are so intrinsically uh, attached to the parking structure and then the building is on top of the parking structure? I mean, this is like a domino effect. That's a domino effect. And you're right. And that is the majority of what I see. I would say 90% of them are exactly that. They are suspended over the parking a lot somewhere in between the floors. I think the tallest one I've ever done uh, was in 43 stories. I've done them up to 35, 40. I think the one I did in Seattle was 43 stories. Uh, they are always uh, prone to movement. The structure has to maintain all that weight in place. And when you get deterioration uh, that starts, you never know. It's a ticking time bomb. And I do see buildings that need to be protected. And that's really the reason why I'm very busy in the waterproofing business. Concrete needs to be protected from water. Even if there's no swimming pool, it still needs to be protected from water because you have hundreds of thousands of tons that are suspended and moving in the air uh, in these structures. And then you have all these structures that are built on sand around these beaches. They're all built on pylons. Uh, they're subject to sinking and moving. As we all know, this moving, this building was also moving and sinking at a certain rate per year. They have to be maintained and waterproofed. Yeah, I mean, based on what the, the Morabito report said, the failure of the pool deck area, he said, was a, uh, it's a flat surface where all the water sits on the waterproofing until it evaporates. And yeah. uh, Morabito pretty much defined it as poor project planning by the architects and the engineers. He recommended replacing the deck waterproofing and yeah. removing the concrete top slab to gain access to the waterproofing member. Yeah, you know, and it, it comes with a price. It always has to be funded by the HOA. Well, um, it's going to be millions of dollars, is what it said. Yeah. yeah, and then when the money's not funded for me, you're stuck in, where do, what do we do now? And then you end up with a, a major disaster like this, which is it's a shame. Uh, and well, it's really sad. Um, I think the problem is, is these folks move into an older building. Right. And the building needs structural repairs. Right. You know, yeah. and then they get hit with an assessment charge of like, hey, you know, you've been assessed for one hundred thousand dollars. Here's your fair share of the repairs that are needed. I mean, it's just a sticker shop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you got you got beautiful, uh, hot, sunny weather in Florida. Right now we're in the rainy season. It rains here every day when you're in rainy season and it rains the way it does here every day this time of year. You have to find a way to draw the water away uh, to a drainage system. Then you have all the thermal that goes with it because it drops from 100 degrees to 73 degrees within virtually within minutes. Then you got all that extra shock that the concrete is prone to and the structures, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a shock. It's like getting hit with a baseball bat. Then you got the hurricane season. My own home has an eave trough that's uh, eight inches wide and still can't maintain the water to a drainage system. It just pours over the trough that's built around my home. Water can be contained. It can be diverted. Waterproofing is not an expensive process. It's just really not. It's the, one of the less expensive ways to protect your building, protect the concrete and, and the steel that we're working with. It's really not that expensive. Yeah, I mean, basically what they were recommending was removing all the pavers, the setting beds, the concrete top slab, and the waterproof down to the reinforced concrete structure. That kind of work was going to disrupt residents in the building probably for a long time. Do you think that's kind of like why they put off uh, doing this as long as they could? Most likely, yes. I mean, it brings to another project that I worked on actually in Sarasota, Florida. So I won't mention the name, but a very well-known name. All the all had to vacate the whole 12-story unit condominium. The whole building split in half, uh, oh, separated wow. four inches. And um, that was the whole building 
again, we're dealing with uh, water getting down to the foundation. It was sinking and it split. So we uh, went in there and assessed it. Uh, we had a whole pile of engineers for almost two years assessing what we needed to do. Uh, the condos were selling for, for fifteen dollars to $25,000 each. They were oceanfront condos. And uh, we worked with a local company to design a way that we can waterproof this pool. That's been completed for just over, I guess, about four years now. That's perfectly intact. Those condos are now, um, they were bought up by maybe two or three people at fifteen dollars to $25,000 apiece. Now they're worth five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand for your period. Nobody wanted to buy them; they were giving them away. Well, real again, a lot of people got hurt by it. It was a real shame. Uh, it's all related to water damage. Water has to be diverted to where it needs to be pro properly drained away from the the concrete, the steel, the system, the building. Let's get into a little bit of the technical stuff, Vito. I mean, you read the same report that I did. Right. And in the Morabito report, he said that the underside of the entrance and the pool deck where the slab was epoxy injected, that there were cracks that were radiating and that these were these were part of the originally repaired cracks. Right. Yeah. But these, yeah. Were, these were new cracks. And he yeah. said that the application was not continuous and that it was evidence of poor workmanship. I mean, what could have been done to do this thing the right way? Well, you have to use the proper material to do your injections, first of all. Um, I would never use epoxy to uh, uh, fill a crack um, that it's going to move. Epoxy, first of all, it's a very rigid material. You need something that's going to elongate. So when it does move, and they do move, and they're designed to move, that's why they have expansion joints in buildings. Um, that, that movement, all the contraction you're going to get, um, you need a material that is waterproofed. I won't mention any names. There's a few uh, companies I recommend out there that I work with all the time. Um, that is a waterproof uh, caulking and injection system. That's what you use. So the failure of using the proper material will always create some damage in the future if there's any additional movement or water. Now, this kind of thing happens all the time in other countries. I mean, it's very rare that something like this would occur outside of a bombing or a malicious act or something intentional to take a building down. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is pretty common in, uh, in other countries with, uh, with lower building standards. Than, I mean, do you see this kind of thing? I, I know you're a, you're a worldwide supplier and that you would work all over the world. I mean, is this something that you see pretty frequently in other countries? We see it a lot more frequent in other countries. Um, there is uh, even a lot of money in third world countries that, you know, their, their building standards are not like they are in North America. I mean, I deal a lot of business all over the U.S., North America, including Canada. Our standards are really, really high. Um, they're standards that the rest of the world look to in order to uh, build up a system to have their standards in place. And I also work on that, too. Uh, second to that is the EU that have very stringent building codes as well. Um, they're all stemming from what North America has done. Um, and, you know, CAN from Canada and ASTM in the United States have very high-end standards that the world really looks up to. Um, those are the standards that we always apply when we're working on projects outside of the United States. There is countries out there that, you know, the concrete, uh, the thickness, uh, the porosity, the PSI, all substandard type of building. Not all of them, but they're getting so much better over the years. But the stuff that they built 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago really scares me. And the biggest part of this whole thing right now, Joe, is these buildings that are falling apart that were built 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago now are the ones I really am starting to worry about. 
because those standards uh, don't even come close to what we had today while they were being built back then. So there is a lot of uh, damage coming our way. Yeah, I mean, I posted a photo and asked the masters of the, uh, the pool equipment room. Uh, actually, it got posted to Miami Herald. And um, yeah, he said that he hadn't seen anything quite like that in decades. You know, he said uh, they don't even use that kind of steel anymore. Couldn't believe what was going on down there. There's a lot of crumbling in that photo. Did you see that? Oh, my Lord, yes. Um, I'm actually might uh, uh, be asked to go down next week and take a look at the situation. Um, I got called uh, within a few hours after this took place. And, you know, it's always shocking to hear it. My heart really goes out to the people that are really suffering from it. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go down and I'm going to assess it. I'll put my thoughts together. I, I really believe that, you know, concrete, you know, the top layer of that, um, anything that, you know, just the balcony alone, that weighs eight or 9,000 pounds. If that falls on top of another balcony, it's a domino effect. It's just going to crumble. And then you got all that weight falling on top of each other. And then you got some movement, of, of the, which I think came from the pylons underneath it. It's just, it's just, it's, the, it's a falling down effect. It just, yeah, it's that, it's that pancake effect that they were pancake. talking about. Yeah, and it picks up the momentum. Um, just the, what happened to the Twin Towers, uh, same thing. Um, once it starts to implode and the weight starts to drop, it's, you just, it's just so much weight. I mean, you, you're dropping, say, the top floor weighs two, 300,000 pounds, plus the force. You can double that, hitting the, 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 the second the floor underneath it. And just by the time it gets three floors down, it's a tremendous amount of weight. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why they were saying, was it stuff that was happening on the roof? Was it stuff that was happening below ground? I mean, they, they, there's so many things that were sketchy about this building that yeah. they just don't have a, uh, a definitive answer. It's like, hey, this is the conclusive thing that caused this. You know? Yeah, and I don't want, you know, I have my own thoughts about it. I mean, some of it would be based on speculation. Um, I have my thoughts about it. I think it was just a, a, a combination of a few things that all occurred at the same time. Mathematically, you could not evade that. It's just bound to happen sooner or later. There is other buildings that it's going to happen to. Um, not that long ago, a year ago, that uh, beautiful bridge uh, crushed a lot of people in, in, about that, yeah. in Miami. Um, same thing. Concrete has to be stabilized. There's a lot of weight behind it, and it has to be always waterproof. Even horizontal and vertical, uh, I think that every concrete that is applied should be waterproof if it's got metal and steel. And you have to keep it protected because the elements that is introduced to concrete and steel uh, is very corrosive. Water being one of them, um, the most corrosive, actually. Once you have steel in concrete and it's exposed to water or moisture, you're going to get these type of situations that are occurring and going to occur. And it's going to, I, I believe, escalate even further because a lot of those 50, 60-year-old buildings are coming of age where they're not either waterproofed or, or re-engineered. Uh, I think this moment in time actually puts a spotlight on it, you know, that there is a systemic problem going on with some of these older construction projects, right, that are now nearing like their fifth, sixth decade and that they have underlying structural issues. I mean, uh, this could be a watershed moment where, you know, we could prevent future tragedies from occurring. Dave Penton put it really well the other day. I mean, he said, you know, if we wait seven to eight years, all right, for the report to come out, then any hope of using this as a teaching moment is going to go by the wayside. Yeah, I think that David was right. It gets diminished. And, um, you know, I think the biggest problem we're dealing with right now, uh, Joe, is the fact that how do you allocate the funds when you got, say, 120 units in the building 
you know, four, five, ten stories, one story. Um, you have the HOA, and all of a sudden, you have the twenty-five thousand dollars per unit because it's going to cost you one point five million dollars to do the proper renovations to uh, uh, clarify some of the damages that are going to be occurring that are occurred and have occurred. Most of these homeowners from the HOA can't fund it. Um, so what happens then when they're not being funded? Who who, who picks up the bill? Yeah, it's a definite problem. For one thing, <laughs> the homeowners don't want to get assessed when there's uh, huge repairs. Right. Yeah. But in the same token, you don't want to live in a death trap. You know. So I mean, what do you do? Uh, exactly. Uh, going back to this building that I was called in four years ago that we finally got through after uh, two, three years of mediating the whole thing. Each unit was getting assessed at 180,000 per unit. No guarantees, but each homeowner was saying, "Well, no, I'm not going to spend it. I'm not sure what's going to happen. They're not guaranteeing it. They virtually." walked away from them and they put them on the market for 25, 15, 25,000. They were gobbled up. Guess who gobbled them up? The engineers did because they knew that there was going to be a way one day that they were going to justify uh, the amount of money. And they did. They spent the money, they bought the units, they properly put it back together again. And uh, they all went back on the market and they all made an awful lot of profit doing so. Uh, Did they have the right? Well, I guess, I guess they did. Uh, They were the ones that were responsible for mediating this building, putting it back in shape again. And selling the units don't you think that's like insider trading though well yeah i didn't want to say that but yes <laughs> yes um i know one particular engineer bought uh 12 units so yes uh, me thinking being a businessman i should have bought a few of them myself um yeah especially with the, no regulation <laughs> especially with no regulation so yeah. you know it's been, it's been a few years the building's still perfectly intact and it's it's well done i worked on a building this is kind of intriguing this was in vancouver canada it was a 57, 58 story building. The building was actually sinking on the one side, the north side of the building. They brought a bunch of engineers, evacuated the whole building for two years, and they came out with some genius, which I thought was uh, something I never would have thought of. They uh, found a way to slowly jack up the building by freezing. And then they hooked up a, a, a cooling system, a freezer system to the dirt. And then in order to keep that building preserved and intact, they have a 24-hour freezing system that keeps that free, that that whole area of the dirt frozen, so there's no movement. So, like uh, liquid nitrogen or something, they pump it to the ground. I, they, I, I'm not sure what the system was, but they, they the engineers they were responsible for they they approved it and uh, kept it in, intact. And then I guess they did a lot of reconstruction after that, which was hard for me to believe when I was reading about it, and I just kept looking into it. But I mean, in this particular instance, with the waterproofing failure. I mean, uh, basically, they were going to have to uh, shut down half the building, relocate half the residents, right? yeah. and uh, it was going to cost them millions of dollars. So, I mean, it, in lieu of facing those kinds of disasters, it sounds like they put this thing off just about as long as they could. All right, They and, did. They, they pushed it off to the side. Yeah. yeah. I mean, eventually, it's like living with a rattlesnake. Yeah, you live in the same box. Most likely, he's going to get you sooner or later. It's the same thing. You know, I, I believe now that this is going to start kind of a, a lot of things moving forward at a quicker motion. There's a lot of buildings out there that the HOA are actually going to be worried about. Um, are we living in the same disaster situation? Because, I, you know, I'm all over the coast and there is a lot of problematic pools out there that um, because of the funding have to go with the least expensive way in most cases to repair them. It's putting a Band-Aid on it. I mean, eventually it's, uh, it's going to fail. 
it's always going to come down to the amount of money we can put into it. I mean, we have a lot of very smart people out there, and I work with a lot of engineers that are brilliant, uh, coming coming together with a concept to um, to rectify some of the failures. And there's a lot of them. There's been a few situations where I've acted been called in and i just say no it's got to be taken out and start from scratch this pool is done uh it's, you cannot absorb any more moisture or water because it's, it's it's just removed all of its integrity and that's the last thing they want to hear from me is uh, it has to be removed and start over again well that gets really really expensive um for the ones that have taken my advice are happy for the ones that have not i you know i back away from them and i don't know what to do from there but there's a lot of buildings that have assessed over the years that three four five six seven years later I get called back. We're now ready. We've allocated the funds. What do we need to do? Yeah, I mean, but all you could do is give your best assessment. I mean, you always want to be of the right mindset that, you know, like, like a good mechanic, you don't want to let the, uh, the customer leave the shop when you know that they're riding around a death trap. But <laughs> I mean, when people ignore sound expert advice, I mean, what do you do that people just ignore you? Yeah, you know, when people look at me in a different different tone than most times, because I, I am in the manufacturing waterproofing business, that, you know, did you just say that to me because you're actually trying to sell me waterproof? Well, both. You've called me in as an expert, which I consider myself after 90,000, a lot of work uh, over the years and probably 22 different countries. Um, I give them a true assessment. If it does not need my material because I'm a manufacturer, I truly tell them you know, it doesn't need it. This is what you need to do to remedy your, your situation. I've gained some respect in that industry because of it in my industry. Not all vessels, they've already been intact and they're still perfectly fine. Everything else around it needs to be waterproof, but that vessel is looking good. But we don't just have pools. We have everything that is exposed to concrete, even if it's uh, on ground, especially above ground, because we have a lot more uh, disasters to worry about, is it has to be maintained. Water is all the damage in the world to concrete. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted you to talk about this stuff, because you don't just in the pool world, you deal with a lot of parking garages and concrete structures, and things of that nature. I mean, if it's concrete, you know, your product's pretty much protecting the concrete structure and you know about this stuff. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, just from a general standpoint of like, hey, could it have been the pool? It's irrelevant, you know, because you're you're looking at major concrete deterioration and that's something that you see day in, day out. Day in, day out. Yes. And, and you're right. So uh, being in the waterproofing manufacturing product uh, business, uh, supplier, manufacturer, we are you know definitely all over the world. And um, in our industry that we're talking about, I am known for the pool industry. But that's just part of what we do in our company. Um, it's everything concrete from sidewalks to balconies to decks, suspended, you name it, roof systems, cisterns all over Central South America. Uh, different building systems that we have to waterproof or even use as a bond code. So, so it's, it's a big business. There is, uh, I, did a, I did some research a few years ago. There's $3 trillion worth of reconstruction in North America. Uh, the majority of that is, uh, is uh, repairing concrete between bridges and water systems, sewer systems, you, you name it. There's an awful lot of concrete. So all the concrete they poured up into 50 years ago doesn't come close to the amount of concrete we have today. There's a lot of structures worldwide that have concrete and steel in them. And over the years, we get to see the disasters periodically on the news. The ones that we don't get to see are far greater than the ones that we do get to see. There's a lot of building that the buildings out there that are deteriorating. It's looking like it's going to take years for this to unravel and for an investigation to properly be conducted and determine the underlying root causes. I mean, like right now, all we can do is speculate. 
Yeah, it is speculate. I'm, I'm hoping they uh, come up with a resolution uh, to this very quick. My heart really goes out to the people that are suffering from this. Um, this is not the only time I've seen this. Uh, I've seen it throughout my life. I've seen a lot of people get hurt on job sites. I've seen a lot of water damage. I've seen people evicted and evacuating from their buildings due to this type of, uh, what you, you know, been through a few hurricanes. Um, again, um, you know, the hurricane goes away, you come back and you can't get near your resident because it's all water damaged. Um, and then they renovate it. You live in it. And years later, it, that, that, it's still deteriorating. You get salt water that's saturated all this concrete with all the steel. That's an ongoing situation that continues to deteriorate. There's nothing you can do. You know, while you sleep, water does its damage. Yeah, I mean, uh, these condominiums that are all dotted along uh, Miami, they're all been built probably like 50, 60 years ago. I mean, we got major issues with some of these buildings. What do you think they could do down there in order to mitigate buildings from becoming potential uh, liability for the homeowners that live there? And especially in the older buildings. It comes to the building department, um, everybody needs to know how to take care of the industry. I mean, you have these building inspectors that just know what they know. Building inspectors are not engineers. You know, to get, I, I think a good start is to start getting these engineers onto these older buildings and start doing some assessment. That's the least expensive way to start. You know, it doesn't cost an awful lot to get engineers involved in assessing your building. And that's a good start because if money does have to be allocated for certain things that need to be done, they can get themselves set up for it. Even if it takes a number of years to get it done, they could start or they could start building up for it. Yeah, I mean, but it's like going to the doctor. You're an old man, you know. You, you haven't been to the doctor in 20 years. You know you're walking out of there here at something. Yeah, I believe I'm a firm believer in preventative medicine. So something is better than nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do a little bit of over a few years, a number of years, but having it sit there and deteriorate at a faster rate, because once it starts, it just starts. Well, I appreciate you giving us your insight, Vito. As always, your expertise in the uh, waterproofing industry is, uh, is invaluable in this industry, and we really appreciate your input. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. And just uh, on top of all of that, I am one of the busiest people you'll ever meet. Right now, in the last few years, what's happened and happening is utter control. So um, I'll keep working. I'll just keep working. Hopefully, we can help everybody out. That's all the time we have today, but thank you so much for tuning in. We were discussing the recent tragedy that unfolded at the Champlain Towers. It's a controversial topic, but one that needs discussion nonetheless. As always, a big thank you to our sponsors. Please make sure to subscribe and tune in next time for another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast.